I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle with Layers of Learning and I'm here with Karen. Hello there. We are talking about Writer's Workshop again today. If you missed the first Writer's Workshop podcast, you want to go back and listen to that as well because we answer a lot of questions. Today we're going to kind of do Writer's Workshop too, so it's not necessarily the same things we addressed in the first podcast. We're moving on to podcast like Writer's Workshop advanced level oh, questions. Oh boy, right? I don't know if we're advanced or not. <laughs> I don't know either. We'll try. No, the I last time we talked about it, the actual writer's workshop curriculum wasn't quite yet released. And now we have our first writer's workshop units out and we've got some families who are using it. And so we've had a few questions from families and things. And so we just want to talk a little bit more, get a little bit more in depth into what that's going to look like in your homeschool. Yeah. And I still have questions for Karen too. So last time it was me asking Karen um, questions because she is the primary author of Writer's Workshop. She's been doing this with her kids for decades, and she's really good at it. She's she's very good at teaching writing. She's very good at being relaxed about teaching writing. And even though I feel like I'm a natural writer, that doesn't make me a good teacher of writing. And so I have been really enjoying her Writer's Workshop. I'm telling her it's saving me. It's helping a lot, especially with my kids who are reluctant writers. So I'm going to ask her some questions. So my first question, Karen is how do you know when a child is ready for more or to move on to the next level? And the deeper part of this question is that I have children who, like I said, they're reluctant. I've got kids who are dyslexic and they struggle with any kind of written language, whether it's reading it or writing it. They don't necessarily want to write. And I have a hard time telling how much should I push them? How, how do, if I give them an assignment and they're like, I don't want to write anything at all. Do I, do I tell them they have to, do I back off because this is a struggle for them? How do I deal with that? How do I know where they should be and how much I should be pushing them? It's an awesome question. It's really tough because it is so individual. I mean, I don't know every single kid out there who's using the writer's workshop curriculum personally. I know my kids and I do know your kids, Michelle. So that that's, that's a little bit of an advantage (laughs) to me, but it is hard because every kid is different. And I do not believe that just because a kid is a certain age, they are prepared for a certain set of skills. I think that we all come really different and we all have strengths and weaknesses and we do have to be flexible and cater to some of that. Some of my kids, when they learned to read, for example, I barely even had to teach them to read and they were reading at four years old. And then others of my kids, when they're nine, they're still really struggling, partly because of dyslexia and things like that. So there's not a one answer for when your child is six, they should be doing this. When your child is seven, they should be doing this. It's just not like that. But how can I tell if my son is ready how can I tell if he's just digging in his heels because he's being stubborn or if he needs extra help or if maybe I'm not approaching it right or I just don't know how much to push him. Okay. Well, this is the way that I approach it. I try to step back from thinking of writing as the physical act of writing in any sense. When I think of writing, I think of it as communicating. So think about how your child speaks. Think about how long the stories are that they tell. Think about if you ask them a question about a topic that they're familiar with, how long is their description of that topic going on? How much do they know and communicate to you? That amount should be kind of corresponding to how much they're capable of writing. Okay, so that that actually helps me a lot. So I'm picturing Harrison, which is the one I'm especially thinking of in this case. He's my youngest and he he's still struggling to read and he is 11. Because he's got dyslexia and it's it's been really tough. He's got him. pretty severe dyslexia. Yeah, he really does. But I'm picturing him coming up to me and telling me about something he's building. He's always building something. And he will come and share with me, Mom, here's my plan. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to make this out of wood. And here's how I'm going to attach it. And if I picture him doing that, I realize he has great communication skills. But he can't get it on paper. So So how do I approach that then? Okay, so my first advice would be when you look at his ideas, something like what you just described is actually 
instructions or a procedural checklist, right? Right. So you're going to think of that in terms of numbered items. And you're going to ask him in a step. You're going to say, Harrison, what's the first thing that you're going to do on this project? And then he's going to tell you out loud. And you're going to say, let's write that step down today. Because the whole concept of writer's workshop is that kids are learning to communicate their ideas. And it has to be done in little bits and pieces because it's too overwhelming to get it all down all at once. But as soon as he starts thinking of it as his ideas instead of a task of, you know, a writing assignment, that's when it's going to solidify for him in a more real way. That's when it's going to switch over from being an assignment to being hey, this is fun. I want to do this. Right. He needs to get his ideas down. And that might start out with you writing some of his ideas. And I do negotiate with my kids. I'll often say something with my reluctant writers. I'll say something like, hey, I will write this step if you'll write the next one. Or even better, if you write this step, I'll write the next one. Because then they have an incentive to get to the finish line of that first sentence or that first step or whatever the first chunk is that you assigned. And then you say that you'll do the next one. I do that with reading with my kids too. My son, Jason is learning to read and he's, he's getting pretty good at reading, but he still doesn't love it. He loves audiobooks and he loves stories, but it was a challenge for him to learn to read. And so, you know, he's a little bit hesitant about that. And so I say to him, Hey Jason, I'll tell you what, if you read this page, I'll read the next one. And we switch every other page. And so he knows what his responsibility is. And sometimes he looks at me and he'll turn the page and go, oh, it's his turn and it's a really long one. And he looks at me and says, mom, will you do this one? My answer is no. We had a deal. <laughs> we had a deal. <laughs> You're reading that page, kiddo. I know that you can do it. I've seen you do it and I know that you can. I always encourage my kids to do a little bit more than they think they can. But I'm always there supporting them and doing my part too. Saying, you know what? You do this and I'll do my part. Okay, so here's my experience with Writer's Workshop so far with regards to Harrison. My older kids are just jumping right in. They're thinking it's so much fun and they're loving it. It's it's just going great. But with Harrison, I will sit down and I'll say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do today. And... And he just goes, and he slinks off and he goes and hides or he crawls under the chair or he just sits there like a lump and won't move. Am I just picking the wrong writing activities or I don't know, how do I get him to start to participate? It sounds to me like he is throwing up a mental wall more than anything. So I really, really, really focus on getting my kids talking. Don't say it's time for a writing assignment. Jump into the writing assignment. Like for example, there's one in the writer's workshop jumpstart that is about dreams and it asks kids what their dreams are. So don't say, Hey, it's time for writer's workshop. Instead, you're going to say, Hey, I'm curious. Do you guys remember your dreams in the morning or do you just forget them? Do you even know what you dreamed about? Did you have a dream last night? Get them talking about it. That's a good idea. So start the conversation, get them thinking and talking. So, the whole so family. I, I shouldn't start by saying, everyone go get your writer's notebooks out. Maybe if we, because of him you and know, his. Sometimes that's going to be fine. But if you've got one who is running away when it's writing time, I would try to get them hooked a little bit first. Get them talking. Because writing is communicating. You are getting kids to communicate. That's what you're doing. And once he has some ideas, it will be easier for him to approach the physical task of writing. And then if you give him some incentives, even about, you know, I'm, I'll write this little bit for you, or I don't know, I don't really do like, here's a treat if you're going to do this, but that kind of a sentiment where there's something good at the end. Even if it's just, oh, let's get this done before lunch and then I'll make macaroni and cheese or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Or I got a new book from the library. It has a dream in it or, you know, whatever it is. You're going to try to tie it in for them in a way that they are conversing and talking. I always try to get my kids talking before they write as much as possible because it just helps their ideas to flow. That's like a pre-writing activity, just talking about it. Okay, so this goes along with what we were just talking about. It really leads into it. Just how do you encourage reluctant writers? Sometimes some of my kids are reluctant all the time. And sometimes they're just reluctant about a particular assignment. They don't want to write a report about Rome because it's a report, you know? Well, one of the things that I think I do a lot is I recognize what my kids do like to do. 
and then try to incorporate that a little bit. Like for example, just like in the other layers of learning units, you know, in our history, geography, science, and art, we have a lot of hands-on projects. We wrote this partly because my kids like a lot of hands-on projects. They like that. I know that they enjoy learning that way. And writer's workshop, you would feel like maybe it doesn't lend itself to that. But when you're writing that report, you're writing about something, right? So think of whatever the topic is that you're writing about and have them create something. If you've got a Lego builder and they're writing an essay on the pyramids, let them build a Lego pyramid along with it. I know that doesn't feel like they're contributing to the writing part, but it really will because in their minds, they are framing writing in a new light. They're starting to think of it as part of the communication of what they're learning about the pyramids instead of just an assignment, a physical task of writing. Yeah. You know, and so let it be a little bit more organic. Like one of the things that I do with a lot of our lessons, whether they're writing or anything else, my kids love to play 20 questions. So we have a little box. It's this little blue game box and it's got little question marks on the outside and it says 20 questions. And when they see that I've got the 20 questions box, they are like hooked. They just love it. And I just stick an item inside and it can be anything. I, I had these little Chinese figures that I did a couple weeks ago. They were the terracotta warriors figures. And so I stuck those in the box and they had to figure out what they were. They figured it out like at question 19. So you ask yes and no questions and then they try to solve what's inside the box. So it could be box. anything, and they had to narrow it down to China, and then they had to narrow it down even further. Yeah, and, and yeah. I always start with one clue when I'm doing it. Like I said, the item in this box is related to ancient history. you know, Or I give them some direction, some clue to go off of. Sometimes it'll be like, the item in this box is something I found in Jason's room, or you know, anything. But then that item is the trigger for what we're going to write about. So it feels like we're incorporating a little bit of a game but or you've an already activity them, and we're talking about yeah, it. And you've gotten them in a good mood. You've gotten them having fun before you even start. Right. And so that doesn't really help them to write. It just helps them to prepare their minds to be open to writing. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, it does. So I need to think a little bit more creatively about our writing. First of all, that writing is just communicating and however I can get my children to do that. We're moving in the right direction. And that's why when my kids are first starting out at writing, I actually do a lot of the writing for them. They feel like authors when I have written the whole story that they've said out loud and all they write is their name on the front. You know, they'll have like, I write the title and buy and then they write their name because they've just learned to write their name when they're, you know, four or five years old. And I am writing all of the pages of their story that they've said out loud to me. They might draw the pictures but they feel massive ownership because it was their story, even though they didn't do any of the physical writing other than writing their name. So when you can start to get kids to understand that the writing is about the message more than about the actual letters on the page, that helps them overcome that reluctance. And eventually their bodies will catch up with the physical ability to write. So I, I have a success story to share with you, Karen. Okay. This is good because I don't always have writing successes with my kids. But we were doing the parts of speech flip book. Oh, yeah. Out of Jumpstart. Uh-huh. And the first, we were doing like one page a day. So we do nouns and then we did verbs and so on, right? And writing the examples yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. And we were writing it and ideas and talking about them and things. And it, we just spent, you know, five minutes on each page before we did our other writing stuff. And it was going great. And then by like probably day four or five, they were like, oh, we're so bored with this. And so I went, okay, they're bored with it. What am, what am I going to do? Because I really wanted them to do the whole thing because I want them to use those in their future writing. Yeah, parts of speech are just a basic yeah. important concept. And, and we've gone over them before, and especially the, the two older ones that are in my homeschool right now. They It's not like they don't know this already, but it was a refresher they needed. And anyway, I wanted to do the whole thing. And so I was like, they're bored. So I went, aha, we can do some Mad Libs. So I did a Mad Lib. One of days, our mini lesson was just a Mad Lib that I got off the internet. Uh -huh. okay? And they were able to use their parts of speech flip book to come up with better adjectives and nouns than they normally have. It becomes their word bank. Yeah, it becomes a word bank. And so they had fun with that. And I was like, oh, this is great. So then I decided, hey, I'm going to take this further and we are going to write our own Mad Libs. So I had them each write a report about ancient Rome because that's what we're doing 
in layers of learning. And I told them, I just want about five sentences because this is a Mad Lib, right? Mm -hmm. And it needs to just be things you already know. You don't have to do research. I just wanted to get them to write this down, right? And so they did. They wrote their little papers. And in fact, Harrison wouldn't do it the first day. I gave them two days to do it. And Harrison wouldn't do it the first day. So the second day I had him sit on my lap and I typed while he talked. So I kind of did what yeah, you, you said. Yeah, you did it. Good yeah. job. I did it. And so we got we got the their paragraphs done. And then I had them take out words wherever they wanted to. And this is kind of genius because I'm I'm a genius. You are a genius. They had they to work had, backwards and they had think to about which backwards. the noun was. Yeah, or... they, had, they had to go, well, I want to get rid of this word. Wait, what kind of word is this? Because they had to be able to write in there what was being replaced. Fill in a like, verb. They, yeah, or... they had to put noun or verb or adjective or whatever, right? Yeah. And so, and, and in fact, it was kind of funny because Garrett messed up a couple. And so when we got the Mad Libs done, it didn't make any sense at all. Because <laughs> like, there should have been a noun there and really he had written verb or something. That's anyway. a good learning lesson. Yeah, so it was it was good. It didn't matter that he messed it up, right? It was still funny. And so we did the we did the whole Mad Lib thing. And, and in between this, we were still working on our books. And they found out when they did their Mad Libs, they wrote themselves we hadn't done the preposition page yet, but Harrison's had a preposition that we had taken out. So we were like, oh, quick, we got to do the preposition page. And then they wanted to do it because they needed some ideas for that Mad Lib. To there fill was in. a reason for it. You yeah. gave them a reason to write. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a little success thing. I was I'm kind of proud of that. So we <laughs> love Mad Libs. I think we probably do about a Mad Lib a week, and. You know, they started out as being a mini lesson in our homeschool, and we've done so many that I don't know that any of my kids are learning anything from it, but they just love it at this point. (laughs) And I figure it's a really good constant review of the parts of speech. And I have noticed that even though they're not really learning new concepts because they understand the parts of speech, they are getting more creative. Like their verbs used to always be run, jump. Yeah. And And that's what we were trying to get away from with the... The, the word banks. The word yeah. banks, yeah, the flip book that we were making. Yeah, so they do continue to progress. I mean, even an adult, think of the difference between explaining a verb to a first grader and then a fourth grader and then a seventh grader and then a tenth grader and then an adult. You're going to have different verbs. So no matter where your kids are at, hopefully they're growing a little bit from those experiences. You know, Mad Libs are fun always. Mad Libs are fun for grownups. So. And, and this this is a good spot to go right into talking about taking a particular exploration or um, exercise from the writer's workshop. And, okay, I've got my high schooler, CJ, and I've got my middle schooler, Garrett, and then I've got Harrison, who is, he would be fifth grade, but he's behind in writing. So so he's probably more on like a second grade level maybe with his, maybe even earlier with his writing. He's just really um, an emergent Yeah, he's writer. an emergent writer. So how do, how do I, like, let's talk about how to take some of those exercises and make them fit for all of those ages. In general, I think of having the different levels being the younger ones are going to write a certain amount of words. And then as they get older, they'll start to write a number of sentences and then a number of paragraphs and then a number of pages. So your requirement for what you're asking your kids to do is not going to be based on age exactly, but on development. You know, you can see, is my kid, is writing three sentences really too hard for my kid? If so, then maybe it's three words. And that might mean that they are writing three words and you are writing the rest of the sentence. Or it might mean that you're just asking them to write down three words about an idea that they have and they get to explain the rest to you out loud. You know, whatever it is, you want there to be growth. So I look at it as at the beginning of the year, if I'm asking a kid to write three words and, you know, our school year starts in September, say, then by October, let's see if they can write six words. And then the next month, let's see if they can write 12 words. Don't look at it just in terms of by the end of the year, I want my kid to be doing this. Look at it in terms of each assignment. Let's see if we can stretch them a tiny bit more. Let's do one more word than we did before. And they could maybe be stretching in different areas too, not necessarily number of not, words all not the time. Not always but, word count. Yeah. But that's just an example of the assignment is going to grow with the kid in small ways. So that dream assignment that I referenced, the really little one, the emergent writer, might really be writing three words of things that he has dreamed about, like three different dreams. What did you dream about? And then... You know, an older kid might just write a few sentences. Once they are writing 
four or five sentences, that's kind of the appropriate time to teach them, let's now shape it as a paragraph. Because that's different than just four or five sentences. Now it's four or five cohesive sentences. So you've just added a new dimension of skill in there that they might not have had before. Because there's a difference between saying, I dreamed about an elephant. I once dreamed that I was flying. You know, that's different than having one cohesive paragraph where you're... About your elephant dream. Right. Right. Adding on to your elephant dream and describing what you see. So you're going to look for all of the small ways that you can say, okay, how can I stretch this kid a little beyond what they did last week or last month? And I don't look at it in terms of really huge, big landmarks, but I do clearly state what my expectations are. I don't just say, write something about this. If I feel that they can write, you know, four sentences, or if I feel that they're ready for that paragraph step, then I say, you need to put this in a paragraph. So let's talk about how it can be cohesive. We always talk before we write or do some kind of pre-write. I get them thinking before they write. Because as soon as you look at that blank page, it can be terrifying for kids. They just freeze up. And if they already have the ideas flowing, it's so much easier. They could even have notes. And this could happen over a series of days. It doesn't all have to be in one day, like depending on the assignment. Right. So another thing that's really, really good for reluctant writers is if you give them a word bank. They do this in schools and we kind of discount it in homeschooling because we don't have... You know, in school, they put the word bank on the wall and the teacher puts it up for the whole class. I don't create some fancy artsy word bank for my kids because they're all in different places and they don't all need the same word bank and it wouldn't be a good use of my time. But I love to have a whiteboard near us when we're writing. Like we even have like a little lap whiteboard that can be in the middle of our table. And I will just quickly write out some words that my kid might be using. So as they're speaking to me, like telling me about their elephant dream. You're writing elephant. I'm, I'm writing elephant. Because then, then they can spell it. and Right. That takes it, away the battle of, right. oh my goodness, I'm so intimidated. I don't want to tell the elephant dream because then I'd have to write the word elephant. You know, I'm helping out with that. And so that's a really good way for especially the emergent writers to have a little bit of a start, but they're still doing the physical act of writing. You're giving them a little crutch, a little bit of extra help. It also would serve as a a way to mentally remember, oh yeah, that was that part of the dream. And then this was this part of the dream. Yeah. It's almost like you're creating a little outline for them or a, a writing plan for them based on what they've spoken to you. So it's right. their ideas. And then you kind of transcribe some of those ideas. And you might ask and then questions you back. To, to prompt them and help them come up with more. Yeah. Yeah. Fill out their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of little things that you can do that can help them so that they can keep doing the writing and keep progressing without having the massive pressure of the whole blank page and the whole assignment. And you know, you're going to go at this. It, that can be a really, really huge stop sign for kids. They just get reluctant because they feel overwhelmed. Let's take another specific exercise and, and read the exercise. And then you can tell us like how you would do it with your age range of kids. Cause you've got kids from elementary through high school like just how would you do this particular assignment with these kids? Okay. So I just Take literally, I, I just looked down and chose the first one that I saw. It's, it's an exercise called superhero switch. And that's from what? From jumpstart. This is from jumpstart. Okay. Yep. And it says, imagine that you could flip a switch and select a superpower. Which one would you choose? Would you want to fly, turn things to gold, disappear and reappear wherever you wanted? What is the most amazing superpower you can imagine? Write about your choice, why you want that power, and what you would do with it. Put your ideas in your journal. So if I were, were going to do that, first of all, I would be asking those questions one at a time. I would not read the whole exercise to my kids. I would say, okay, I want you to imagine that you could flip a switch and select a superpower. Which one would you choose? And, and I then, would just you, and then the, the, all the kids would just be talking. And you'd, you'd be giving your ideas and people would say, no, 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 I like this one better. Or, oh, hey, that's a great idea. And you just have this brainstorming happening. Right. And I might throw in there my contributions. Like I'm looking down at the thing and going, hmm, none of them mentioned turning things to gold. So I might say, would any of you want to turn things to gold? Wouldn't that be cool? You know, you don't have to read the whole thing word for word to use the exercise. Or if they said, I'd want to be invisible. You could say, why would you want to be invisible? You can kind of draw it out. Yeah, get them talking. 
Now then with my youngest one, the first thing I would probably have Jason do, I would probably say, okay, Jason, I love that you want to fly. I want you to draw a picture of yourself flying. Do you have a cape? Do you just raise up in the air? Do you have to get a running start? Do you have to jump off of something? Tell me about flying. Show me in a picture. So he's going to be drawing a picture while the other kids are getting started writing. I have my kids draw a lot of pictures because while kids draw, they're thinking. They're thinking about, like they're picking the color of their cape. They're thinking about the background. Maybe they're drawing the city underneath them or them flying over a lake and that all becomes part of the story. Right. So it just fleshes out in their mind what is going on. You know, they're they're communicating their ideas and we start with drawing with my little ones very, very often. Not always, but very, very often we do that. Um, and then after he drew his picture, I would say, okay, can you give me a sentence? Tell me what is in your picture. And then he would say it and I'd say, all right, I'm going to help you write it. Now I've heard him say it. So pretty much word for word, I'm going to have him write this. Like I said, if he needs a word bank, I might do that. If I just am there with him and you know, the other kids aren't needing my help or anything, then sometimes I very much take my kids who are just starting writing word for word through the process and say, do you know how to spell super, you know? And yeah. Okay. What comes next? And, yeah. And, and then they write often it. when they're really little, I write in highlighter and let them trace over it. And then once they're writing on their own, they're writing the words, but I do have to help with spelling or create a word. Bank okay. For and them. at this point, if Jason is writing super and he doesn't ask you how to spell and he spells it wrong, you just let it go. I right? let it go. I let it go. He's not expected to know how to spell all of the words. Because, because again, the writing that we're teaching is communicating and, and spelling obviously is part of communicating, but it's not the most important part. I don't ever want my kids to stop having big ideas because they don't know how to spell them. I want them to write their message and what they want to write. And we are learning the spelling. We're getting there, but you shouldn't not write about a superhero because you can't spell super. You should feel free to write, even if you don't have all the spelling right. And it's, it's funny. We have Alexas in our house, like the Amazon Alexa. It's going to come to life. It's over there listening to me right now. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that word. <laughs> no, it's the code word. But we have Alexa, so I will often catch my kids saying, Alexa, how do you spell super? S-U-P-E-R. There we go. So Alexa will tell them how to spell things if I'm busy. So that's kind of, that's kind of excellent. Spelled T H. I N G S. Did that answer your question? Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, my kids do talk to Alexa, but they also ask me. And you know, I'm totally happy with that. I love when they go and take care of their spelling for themselves. But if they misspell it, I don't overly worry about that. Back, okay, back moving, to the superhero. Yeah. So so my older child. Um, like Isabel, she's 11 and she's a, a pretty good writer. She, of course, still misspells some words and has some errors in there, but she's pretty confident writing. And so she would take that prompt and probably just jump right in. So for her, where she's at right now, I think she is really good at writing her ideas. She is not particularly strong about writing a topic sentence. So I might remind her, hey, I want you to create a paragraph. Let's think about the first sentence. You always want to talk to your reader and let them know what you'll be talking about. So what would be a good topic sentence for you to write about the superpower that you want to have? And so I am still talking to her. We're still conversing and we're building on the skills where she's at. And I would ask her to write a paragraph about it. And then if she's done before Jason's done or before the others are done, I might say, you know what, Isabel, how about you take your page border and make a fancy superhero border around it? I love to incorporate art and writing together. When kids are writing, whether they're doing a drawing or writing letters, that is actual physical exercise for their hand. And that builds ability. So I would say all of the way up until my kids start to learn typing, Okay, all of my kids are expected to draw, even the high schoolers. But up until they're starting typing, almost every single assignment involves some sort of drawing in our homeschool. It doesn't have to, 
for you. Maybe your kids don't like art and they're not into that. But that is one of the ways that I get them doing more physical writing is I want a pencil in their hands. I want pens in their hands. It, it builds their writing endurance. Yeah. Yeah. And so then with the older ones, it just would get increasingly long. And because they're older and we've been doing this for a long time, they need a lot less direction from me. So I would probably tell my daughter, Elizabeth, I want you to write between one to two pages about the superheroes you wish to have and what you would do with them. So towards the end of that assignment, it says, what is the most amazing superpower you can imagine? Write about your choice, why you want that power and what you would do with it. So that's a little bit beyond Jason's So maybe assignment. for your littlest one, it would just be, what is your superpower? Right. And then they can, the rest of it could be for older. But one of the things that I teach my kids when they're, old enough to worry about test taking and things like that. Like I would say from seventh grade on up in particular, I always ask them when you are asked to write about something, write about it, but make sure you're answering every single question. Cause all, like on a short answer, yeah. they'll often ask multiple questions. And so I'll probably rehearse with Elizabeth. Okay. Remember you're going to be saying not only what the most amazing superpower is, but why you want that power and what you would do with that power. And then maybe you would write that part up so they could see it and refer to it so they know. Yeah, I mean, with Elizabeth, I wouldn't even need to because she has been doing this for a long time. But if that's a growth thing for your kids where you go, oh, you really need to, you know, this is the next step that we're working on with you, um, then I would, I would do that. Now with Elizabeth, if I want her to stretch more, I might say, hey, I am really going to be looking for you to use strong verbs because a superpower is a very verb-oriented yeah, we, we don't want to see any helping verbs or being verbs in this. We want it all to be good, strong action verbs. and Right. So you could have that so, be her next growth thing. Yeah. So I'm constantly just working with my kids in tiny ways to push them to the next level to, to say, okay, how can you grow as a writer? And they're all going to be in a different place. But And they may not get those skills in the same order as someone else. It does, And that doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. It doesn't matter if they're really great at writing tight paragraphs or if they're really great at writing great verbs first, as long as they're developing as a writer. I really like to put writing more in the realm of art than methods of things. You know, you, you can go through a grammar checklist, sure, but you can have an absolutely amazing editor who is a horrible writer. I think that's actually one of my hangups with writing is that I always felt like it was more like math and that you have to learn this skill before you can do this skill. And yeah. that's not really how it is. is not it? true. Nope. Writing is very organic. I love it when my kids are reading books and they say, mom, this author didn't use a complete sentence. They can pick out when they used a fragment. And I, I'll laugh and say, yeah, once you're an author, you don't have to use complete sentences anymore. You can break all the rules. Yes. <laughs> Authors break all the rules. I love Dr. Seuss. He broke every rule. He didn't agree with the spelling rules. He made up whatever words he wanted. He wanted. <laughs> I love that. I think that you have to acknowledge that writing really is communicating. And it's art. It's I, art. I, I like thinking of it that way too. Like let's not be so hard-nosed about getting everything perfectly right. It's, it's about expressing yourself, about your and ideas. Even when you're talking about an essay or a research paper. That is an expression of yourself, your thoughts, who you are, what you believe. That is a creative endeavor. You are creating a package for someone else to read and and get a hold of, you know. And so you kind of have to stop thinking of it as, am I covering every grammar concept? Believe me, the grammar concepts come up. You will see them come up and you will see the need for introducing, you know, oh, they're not using an apostrophe. So, so wait, 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 wait. What uh -oh. if, uh -oh. what if I don't know when an apostrophe is supposed to be used or not used? You know, what if I'm that, that person that's like, okay, I, I realize there's supposed to be a capital at the beginning of every sentence and some kind of punctuation at the end. But beyond that, maybe I'm not so. You're not grammar, grammar. girl. Yeah, I'm not grammar girl. Well, not everybody's grammar girl. And I get that. But. If you're expecting your kids to learn it, then why are you letting yourself off the hook? That's my question for you. Like, you can be grammar girl. I mean, it might not be a natural gift to you, but you know how to Google, right? If you say, I don't know the apostrophe rule, then say into Google, hey, Google, 
tell me about apostrophes and, and this Google is, will tell you. And this is probably something really useful to do with your children to look that up together. So you're like, hey, you know what? I, I feel like we need to figure out where the apostrophes are supposed to go in this sentence. And I don't know. Do you know? And they're like, I have no idea. Let's figure it out. You know? So I really, really, really encourage moms to have their own writer's notebook to write. You know, if, if my kids are writing about their superhero power, you can bet you're going to find a superhero power in my writer's notebook too. I write about it also. Even if I have to help my little ones and then do it a little bit later. That is one of my favorite things about homeschooling is that I am learning. You know what I like too? When we're done with an assignment, I'll always ask my kids, do you want, sometimes they're required to read things aloud. But but often with the, this writer's workshop, it's like putting your journal and the journal's private. So I'll just ask them, do you want to read these aloud? And they almost always do. My they, kids do they too. Love, they love sharing it. And it's so much fun if I'm sharing mine too, because I'm just become one of the group. You know, and, and I'll be like, you guys listen to what I wrote. And then and then they have ideas about things I could add to my story, too. Right. Yeah. I don't think that moms have an excuse for saying, I just don't understand grammar or things like that. You might have to work harder at it, just like some of us have to work harder at, you know, math or at science or something else. You might have your weaknesses, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn it. If you're asking your fifth grader to learn apostrophe, certainly you can. You know, handing them a grammar workbook doesn't really fulfill your responsibility to to teach them what fulfills that is them learning apostrophes however that happens it might be a workbook but it might be some other realm we do have mini lessons along the sidebars of writers workshop and you will find grammar topics there and i am keeping a an index of the grammar topics that i incorporate and trying to you know touch on all of the main grammar and not spelling rules in this, but a lot of the writing rules you will come across in the mini lessons. And then when all of the units are released, there will be an index of those. So that if you want to teach your kids apostrophes, you can look in that index and say, oh, apostrophes are covered here and flip to that part in the program and, and give them the mini lesson. Yeah, that, that, goes that would it. be helpful. And then do it with them. Do the mini lesson together. I, right. I, like when my kids made a flip book, I made my own because I was like, I also like words and I want to keep track of the best verbs. I'm, I'm working on my writing still. I mean, Karen and I have been writing layers of learning and, and lots of things professionally for a while now, but I'm always working on my writing. I'm always trying to get better at it. I think it's amazing how much you will learn if you just jump in and do it. You feel like, oh, I can't do that. I don't know anything. Jump in and start. You won't feel for very long like you don't know anything. Here's another thing that I like about this, the philosophy that is presented in Writer's Workshop, is that most of the writing you're doing, it doesn't matter what the grammar rules are. Because it's not becoming a finished piece of writing. It's going in your journal. You're just writing, writing, writing. You're just getting ideas down. And if you didn't spell stuff right, or if you didn't put in the right commas, or if you forgot periods, it doesn't actually matter. All that matters is that one assignment at the end where you're having this polished piece of writing. And generally speaking, kids who are younger are going to write simpler, with much simpler grammar rules required. And yeah. you're going to know hey, there are no periods in this. Let's figure out where they go. And you can talk that through with them, right? Right. And then as they grow, you will you're, also you're be growing. growing with them. But let's say that you're starting with, you've got middle schoolers or high schoolers and you're starting this with them and you're feeling like you're thrown into the middle. You still can learn it with them, right? Like how would you go about that, Karen? So one of the things that I do and I recommend it for my kids, I recommend it for you know anyone that I teach writing to, when they get to the point where they are at the editing stage, once they're in middle and high school, they're probably typing more of their assignments rather than just writing them, especially for that final polished piece that they're taking all of the way through the writing process. Truthfully, they prefer to type it at that point because by the time you're making that many changes and you're writing longer things, it's a lot easier to make those changes on a word processor than and it is to rewriting the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the longer the compositions, the more attractive typing becomes. And so I tell them in the editing stage, often before you even have a person edit it, we use Grammarly. And Grammarly is a program that auto edits for you. It goes in and shows you a suggestion for the rule and, and shows you why there should be an apostrophe there or, you know, whatever. It will spot if you missed a comma. 
things like that. So if you use Grammarly, not only is it going to correct it for you, but if you're actively using it, then you're seeing your mistakes and going, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's a comma rule well, that I and, learned. And if if you, I have CJ, he's, he's my um, high schooler right now. And he hardly ever puts periods in anything. He just, he's like, mom, I can't think about that stuff. I have to just write it down. And then he goes back in later and tries to catch the periods. He's, he's, he's just, he's not good at he's, getting that stuff right, right. He's capable of periods though. He knows yeah, where to put yeah. them. He's just, his ideas are all tumbling out. Yeah. And he's got to get it down on the page without, he just writes, 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 writes. Right. So, so then later when he's going through it, sometimes he will miss stuff and he's, he's honestly, he's not great at grammar, right? He doesn't get the mechanics all right and everything like that, but it actually doesn't matter because there are plenty of adults who aren't. And guess what? They use Grammarly, just like people use spell checker when they're an adult. Some of us have weaknesses and strengths in different areas, and it's okay to use those little crutches, especially for things that are really mechanical. No one can give you a crutch for your ideas, but they can give you a crutch for grammar or punctuation you know that stuff yeah I mean I never ever have my kids turn in something without using spell check and grammarly when they're at the point that they can do that I mean why would you I use those things when I'm gonna turn in something important or do something important just to double check because we all have typos we all I mean I still have typos I still find typos in layers of learning sometimes (laughs) yep (laughs) and I don't think that Grammarly even existed when we started no layers of learning the world's getting better (laughs) yeah yeah but those programs are awesome and they're there for a reason they are super helpful and not only will it correct it but it really will instruct you in the rules okay so the next thing that I want to ask you about this is something that I've seen people ask questions about both with our layers of learning program and with this writer's workshop, just how much time should you be spending on each lesson? Because I think some of them feel like they're long and others feel short. And how do I know how much time should per day should I spend or how much time should I spend on an entire um, unit? You know, how much time should I spend on jumpstart versus sentences and paragraphs? So just talk about that timing stuff. I really love how flexible layers of learning is. It's intended to be flexible. And I think we kind of rob it for one of its most valuable assets if we set an exact time on any of these things. So it's also going to look very different if you are just teaching a first grader. You know, you have one kid, first grade. That's going to be different than if you're teaching just a couple of high schoolers or if you have a mixed group of a whole bunch of kids. So I always really hesitate to say, this is how long you should be spending because there's not an answer to that. It is supposed to be flexible. I mean, I can tell you what our family does. We kind of, in my mind, writing is an hour to an hour and a half a day, depending on how long math took in the morning. And, you know, we just kind of, we write up until lunchtime. And when we run out of time, we go have lunch. And then, and then if you still have more to do on that, particular assignment you work on it the next day yeah we do not ever say this is what you have today and this is what you have tomorrow in so that you kind just of leave way. it really open so that you you don't feel stressed about it and yeah and your mean, writers don't feel stressed about it I do say things to my kids like if we're doing that assignment and I say you need to write three paragraphs or whatever it is then I might say okay guys it's lunchtime in 15 minutes I want you to Finish up your writing that I gave you before lunch. I'm going to go down and start fixing lunch. You come down when you're done kind of a thing. Like, yes, I set expectations. I don't just let them sit there and do nothing. But at the same time, that's really flexible day to day and depends on what we're doing. And and you can see like what stage they're at in the writing process. If you know that they're struggling with ideas and they're trying to work stuff out, you might give them some more time for that. It's either on that day or on another day, right? Yeah, I, I don't really do a high pressure writing environment. I just don't believe in it. I, I think that kind of steals the artistic creativity that's supposed to be a part of writing when you're all about deadlines and, you know. And if you've got just really young emergent writers, you might only be spending 10 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. And you just have to stay flexible and recognize where your kids are at and then push them a little. You know, you want growth, so you want to push them a little but you don't want to push them so hard that they hate it. There's a sweet spot in there and only you can know what that sweet spot is for your kids. So I think a lot of this is practice for the mom or the teacher as well as it's practice for the kids. Like you're it's okay if you don't have this all together when you first start. Like you're you're learning how to teach it, you're learning how to to 
coach your kids. You're learning how to look for their strengths and weaknesses in writing. You're learning how much to push them. It, and it's okay if you don't have that all together at the beginning. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was sitting there and thinking, one of the interesting things that has happened to me as I've written with my kids, you know, as I pull out my writer's notebook and I'm writing too, is that I start to get a better understanding of how long things take. You know, when you're sitting with your kids and you're waiting for them to write and it feels like it's taking them forever and you're a little bit frustrated, you're like, come on guys, just finish, just finish. And you might not even be saying that, but in your mind, you're kind of, yeah, <laughs> it feels like it's taking a while and you get a little frustrated, right? Yeah. I know that's a really common thing for moms to just be like, I just want them to finish their assignment. And why is it, they get irked. Well, you lose that frustration when you are writing too, because you're thinking about what you're writing about your superheroes, you know, power that you're going to have. And your kids are watching you write at the same time. It becomes more of a collective family thing when mom is included too. And you can start to gauge the time better. Like you can go, oh, you know what? It's okay that they didn't have time to finish theirs. I didn't have time to finish mine either. It stops bothering you as much when you're involved in the process instead of watching the process. That's that's a good tip. I like that too. So I still feel like... I know I used to feel this way. I'm starting to let this go, but that I feel like there's certain benchmarks or certain requirements that must be met by certain ages or at least must be met before um, graduation, you know, like th th in writing that they have to. And how do I, first of all, does Writer's Workshop hit those benchmarks? Does it, does it cover everything in writing that it needs to? And how do I know that my kids are on target or whatever for writing? Okay, well, I do have a question for you then. How many stories did you write in college? None. How many poems were you assigned to write in college? Zero. <laughs> okay, so what were you assigned to write in college? Essays, reports, research papers. Yeah, all in the same realm, right? Yeah. All basically nonfiction. I, I was required to write one personal narrative in college, and I was an English major for the first three years of my college experience. I ended up going into the education realm. But at first I thought I wanted to be in the English realm. And so I took tons of writing classes, tons of, you know, English and things like that. And I wrote one story, zero poems, zero anything fanciful or fun. That's not really a college skill. So when we're talking about teaching kids to write in these fun ways, that is really more of a creative pursuit but it does help them in the college skill department also, or in the professional writing skill department or whatever it is they're going to go on and write in their lives um, because it helps them communicate. We were talking about how writing is communication. Well, and for my kids, one of the hardest things is just getting the ideas from their head to the paper. Yeah, those, those skills apply in a really broad way even if they're not going to be writing a story. They don't actually need to know the rule of threes that is applicable to fairy tales, that the number three comes up all of the time in fairy tales. That's really fun to know. I love that I know that. I love that I get to point it out to my kids when we're reading fairy tales and encourage them to write about it when, when they're writing them, but it's not actually a college skill. Um, the essential college skills that I think you need to work towards, the benchmarks, I guess, you do need to be able to properly form strong paragraphs that support the topic sentence. That's a very important skill. Same thing as you need to be able to write a complete sentence, which believe it or not, a lot of college students cannot do. No, I went to college with a lot of people who couldn't. They didn't even know they needed nouns and verbs. I mean, they didn't know what they, those were. Yeah, and... so. It is actually very common for kids who have been public schooled. Yeah, these were public know. school kids. So, so very often, ask any freshman college English teacher. To and they tell will, you their frustrations, right? They will tell you <laughs> that a lot of their students cannot write a complete sentence. So, you know, complete sentences, strong writing paragraphs. strong paragraphs with topic sentences and conclusions with supporting details, absolutely essential. And then those concepts are just going to grow. That will become, now we need a five-paragraph essay that... And then now we need a research paper. Yeah, like it, so, so, so those, those grow longer, grow. but those basic skills just expand into greater lengths. The other really, really important writing skill is actually researching 
and citing and creating annotated bibliographies. Now, these units have not been released yet, but those skills are something that will be covered in the reports and essays and in the research paper units that will be released um, in the coming year. But in every school English program ever, there's always a big grammar element. And layers of learning, like you said, it does have it in the sidebars. But is that like strong enough for school to count for school? You know what I'm saying? Truthfully, doing it this way was actually stronger for my kids. I can't guarantee that there aren't kids out there who will thrive with the workbook more than my kids did. But really, honestly, my kids did the grammar workbooks and it did not ever translate to their writing. It kind of felt like a waste of time for my kids too. Like they, they we would could do we, it on the workbook. We would, yeah, we would we would find the prepositions in the workbook, but then in their own writing, they weren't using them or right. I don't know. So the difference between the workbook style and then the mini lesson style is that you are not filling in the blanks or circling the thing. Instead, you are creating a sentence that incorporates that grammar principle or you know, you it turns to, it around instead of instead of filling in some blank, you're actually writing the sentence yourself. Yeah, it's as though you were composing the grammar workbook. You know, you have to show the skill and that ended up translating to my kids writing. So for my children, this was the way that was more complete. It's not quite as in order. But is, is there really what, an order? Here, here's the problem. People go, oh, I need to teach about nouns. And then they teach everything about nouns. And actually, you should teach a little bit about nouns when they're five years old, and then a little bit more when they're six years old, and then a little bit more when they're seven years old. Not try to teach everything, you know, that, all grouped okay, together. So you don't need to do that. There's that, not an order. That feels like I need a checklist for every year. Is, is that what you're suggesting? Or is it just, I mean, is it more organic? How do you know that you've taught all those little things? Or does it not really matter that much? It's more organic. If you're giving a mini lesson every day, you will be covering all of those things. You will. You just keep teaching them. Um, so as you give mini lessons, there's not a particular order. You know, you can also use a grammar workbook if that makes you more comfortable. I would encourage you to go out of order on the grammar workbook if you're going to do that. Don't do every single noun lesson in a row. That is what makes kids start to dread the workbook more than anything else is that they just kind of get dragged down by well and it's so overwhelming to th then they feel like oh i have to remember all this stuff and they're so paralyzed by remembering all the grammar rules that they can't even write it's much better if you can learn a grammar rule and apply it to your writing instead of just in an isolated way learning the rule now one thing that karen i think you do really well that i still need to work on is when your children have decided to take something through the writing process and you're actually sitting there with them editing how do you talk to them so that it's positive experience and so that they're learning from that and you're not just, okay, we need to fix this and fix this because that's what I do. I just kind of basically fix it for them. You know, I kind of turn it around and I ask them questions a lot. If, if I recognize this is something that I've never taught them, then I might just teach the principal and say, hey, I don't think I've taught you about how you have to use commas in between items in a list. Let me show you. And then I would show them on an example that's not theirs and then say, okay, can you add commas in between the list that you wrote here? And they would do that. So it's not a big deal. It's not a big, huge negative. It didn't take away from their message or their ideas. They just now learned a little rule from me. And it's it doesn't need to be a super high-pressure situation. Now, if I have taught them the rule, and I know I have taught you to capitalize the first letter in a sentence, <laughs> right? then I say, you forgot to capitalize the letters, the first letter in the sentence, can you go find them all? And sometimes I'll even, you know, if it's a short one, like that would probably happen with a littler kid, not yeah, or or kids. CJ or CJ. Yeah. But <laughs> with him, you can just tell him. You can just say, yeah. okay, CJ, go back go and find and your capitalize capitals. Them. Yep. <laughs> but but you know, with a littler kid, I might even say, I see ten spots that you didn't capitalize. Can you find the capital letters? You know, it's, so it can feel like a game to them, and it can be a positive way of phrasing it instead of let's find all the mistakes you made you right know? and and you don't really have to find every single mistake in a day either it's it's okay to say you know what let's treat this as our mini lesson today review that capitals rule ask them to fix it call that your mini lesson and then say you know what let's do some fun writing we're going to come back tomorrow and find the next a few a few other things that you can improve Dumping it all at once doesn't teach nearly as much as delivering it in small doses.
So I have been asked if Layers of Learning Writer's Workshop is a complete language arts curriculum. And to be clear, this is not the reading portion. We cover reading mostly in the other Layers of Learning Right. So when components. you're doing history, you're reading books, either fiction or nonfiction about ancient Rome. Or right. And, about, then, and then we're also doing read alouds as yeah. a family. And then my kids all have a fun book that they chose from the library. So we're reading a lot. So I do not add in an assigned. I don't do assigned reading either just because my kids are always reading. They're either listening to audiobooks or they're reading. It's yeah, not something I, that's a big. I guess I might have to assign it if I had a kid who was not reading. Or when they're first learning to read, that becomes a, a very formal part of school, I think. But yeah, but yeah. But I don't incorporate that into language arts per se. Yeah, I guess I, 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 I think I chose not to ruin reading by making it into an assignment for my kids. I didn't want them to, oh, I got to get through this book in this many pages by Friday, because I know that's a one of the reasons kids in school don't like to read. Because you know, even when I give my kids a book like from Layers of Learning, like if they're reading a historical fiction or you know something that goes along with what we're learning. I say, hey, I found this cool book. I think you're going to love it. I don't, yeah, I don't I do say, you must read this many pages a day. Or I'll and... just fill up the book basket and say, choose something, and they get to pick. Right. So reading, if you're really talking about a complete language arts, there is reading involved. I'm just hoping that your reading is a little bit more organic like ours is. We do not have this big assigned literature component in our homeschool. But reading is a huge part of our homeschool. Right. Ours too. But it's not part of writer's workshop per se. Um, the parts of Writer's Workshop, though, include not only writing instruction and the grammar that's taught through mini lessons, as well as writing skills that are taught through mini lessons, but there's also a word work component that we talk about in the Writer's Workshop guidebook. And that word work is basically your spelling, your vocab, vocab if you're going to do Latin roots or things like that. And Writer's Workshop's word work component will eventually be released. I'm not doing that right now. Right now we're completing the Writer's Workshop units themselves. And when that's done, I will add in the word work component. I think there are a ton of great spelling programs and a lot of available word work. So you can choose any way to do that that you want. I have a style that I love and I'm excited to share it with you in the word work component. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it right now. You're probably going to work yeah, with you your can, kids. You can use any sort of spelling list or vocab list. Right. And, and then and you can spend anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 minutes, but probably not more than that a day. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also consider typing to be a part of our writer's workshop only because basically what happens is when my kids are little, they work on their handwriting workbooks. You know, they're learning cursive or they're, learning the manuscript print. And then as they get older, I have them do an online typing program. That's just a little boost that helps them with their skills in those areas. Really, you could incorporate those entirely into the writer's workshop units that you were doing if you wanted to just have them type their papers. But I think there is a little bit of skill to learning where the keys are on the keyboard and those kinds of things that typing programs are really good at. So that is a part of Writer's Workshop that we encourage. You're not going to see it surface in the units, but it does explain that in the Writer's Workshop guidebook. Um, and then as far as the genres, basically, if you are doing Writer's Workshop with your kids, you are going to do far more than what they're going to need in college writing or, you know, as far as a high school writing experience. So I feel really confident that it's a very complete curriculum by the same token, though, this is a pick and choose curriculum. So it is as complete as you choose to make it. If you just sporadically chose an exercise here and there and you weren't at all consistent and you really didn't do the mini lessons, then maybe it's not going to be. But if you use this in the way that we describe in the Writer's Workshop guidebook, then I think you're going to watch your kids flourish in writing and they'll get everything they need and more. So you can be really comfortable that this is going to meet writing needs for, for college and for anything that might be required by your local school district. Well, it definitely has for my kids. It has been the way that I've taught my kids from the beginning. Writer's Workshop was something that I did for a really, really long time, and then I wrote this curriculum. So, you know, this is the way I taught my kids that I experienced a great deal of success with, you know, a lot of trial and error over the years, and this is the way it worked, and now I'm 
hoping that it'll work in your family the same way that it's worked in mine. Cause my kids have become really strong writers and, you know, have done super well in college. And so it's, it's been a really great thing for our family. Karen, thank you so much for answering my questions and the questions of other uh, writers workshop newbies. <laughs> we appreciate that. I don't think writing is necessarily intuitive to teach or that easy for everyone. So it's, it's, I'm so grateful for the writer's workshop units. It really helps me. I love the creative ideas. Hopefully it sparks a lot of fun ideas and, you know, that's what will get those communication juices flowing. If you're just, what I've noticed is that my kids like are beginning, they're, they're still, we're still working on this, but they're beginning to actually enjoy it. And, and my kids have always been all of them have been reluctant writers. And so it's, it's been really great to see them flourish in that way and to, to enjoy it. That's when they start to learn, I think is when they like what they're doing. Yeah. They start to want to. Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to us talk about writers workshop. Please leave us a review on iTunes and let your friends know about this. We love to do this podcast. We don't do it for anything except to help families who are out there. So if you could share it with others, that's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning. learning.